Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. Heavenly Father, oh, what a joy it is to be in the in Your presence, Lord, on this feast of the saints. Uh, Heavenly Father, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I pray that we would feel the cloud of witnesses this morning. Uh, For those of us in the room, for those of us who are worshiping right now on the live stream, uh, Lord, nothing is an obstacle for your Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would minister to us our sainthood and the communion of the saints. And all God's people said, amen. Um, I've met most of you. I've not met all of you. And certainly, hello to everyone else who is uh, worshiping with us over the live stream. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor of Christ Church. And uh, if you're worshiping with us for the first time, I don't always wear these clothes. These are my party clothes if you're new to our church, okay? Uh, Yeah, when you see me wearing something like this, it means it's a special day. And today is the Feast of All Saints, which is super special. So you'll notice our whole service and liturgy is kind of laced with this theme of the saints. Uh, I'll be preaching on that. And this is special for a lot of reasons. Uh, We are not having everyone from our church here, so there's a limited capacity, but we have more than usual, which is exciting. So welcome to you all in the room. Yay! Um, And uh, for you all watching, again, it's such a joy to have you worshiping with us as well. We are a church uh, that's a diaspora, but that is unified through technology and the power of the Holy Spirit but the power of the Holy Spirit first. Amen? Amen. Um, All right. Christianity is all about becoming more like Jesus. It's actually pretty simple. Uh, But one of the ways we do that is by imitating people who are becoming more like Jesus. Uh, So God created you, whether you like it or not, to be an imitator. And this is the pattern of discipleship. So if you think about it, Jesus sets an example for his disciples for them to imitate. And then... He teaches his disciples to set an example for their disciples to imitate them. Uh, We see this in Paul's uh, letter to Timothy, who's a younger guy that Paul is discipling. And he says, Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then he tells Timothy to be an example for the people that he's discipling. Um, It's really amazing. So look at me with your, your psalm this morning that we read. Flip back to it. I think it's page nine, maybe. Six, page six. Uh, In this psalm, you see the psalmist talking about imitation, and you see an I will not and an I will as he's thinking about this idea. Look at verse 3. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. So you see him saying kind of no. But then look at verse 6. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. So not only is imitation a really awesome thing, uh, you actually have agency in who you decide to look to. Do you see that in the psalm? We have the responsibility to choose who it is that will shape us. So imagine that everyone in your life uh, kind of comes in to get their mugshot, stands along the line in like one of those cop movies, you know, where you see all the suspects lining up. You guys know what I'm talking about? Imagine everybody in your life is there. So parents, your friends, uh, people at your school, people in your office, successful people in your career are all there. Uh, The loudest voices in your social media feeds have actually come and manifested in this room and are sitting there and you're looking at them. 
politicians, athletes, Biden and Trump are up there, which I know sounds like a nightmare, but they're there too. Um, everyone is there, neighbors, church people, people you like, people you don't like, and you're behind the glass and you're looking at them all. And then in comes Jesus and Jesus sits down next to you and you have the opportunity to ask him, who should I look to? Who is the one that should minister to me out of all these people? What do you think he would say? Wouldn't you love that, that opportunity, right? We've been studying this scene in the gospels where Jesus is in a room with tons of different people. Um, the, his disciples are there. So the guys that he's called, a lot of these crunchy fishermen and other people, the fire and brimstone, super serious Pharisees are there. The bougie and elite Sadducees are in the room. The politically compromised Herodians are in the room, if you've listened to some of these sermons over the past couple weeks. And then, because it's public, a lot of just common people are there. So everybody's there. And after all of these questions, and we're kind of jumping to the end of this passage for the sake of all saints, Jesus basically sits down with his disciples, and he teaches them to beware of some people and to behold other people. And what he says matters so much to us on today, this Feast of All Saints, and also three days before the election, also known as the end of the world. Um, that was a joke. Nervous laughter. <laughs> um, beware and behold. If you have a Bible, if you're at home, grab a Bible. Turn with me to Mark 12. If you're, in, if you're here, uh, you can flip with me in your bulletin to our gospel reading. Or if you have a Bible, again, it's Mark 12. And we're going to be starting in verse 38. Beware and behold, and here is the beware. Verse 38, and in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Beware the scribes. And who are the scribes? In a way, they're the people on the top, the king of the mountain. They have worked their way to the top. And if you know anything about these types of people, they were so gifted. They were so ambitious to get to the top. And on the top, as the kings and queens of the mountain, everyone is looking to them, looking up at them and looking to them. And these people, Jesus makes it clear, if you see it, they actually really love being looked at. And they love to keep everyone's attention so that everybody is looking at them. On a national level today, uh, these are our politicians and celebrities, most gifted writers and artists, influencers, business moguls, these types of people. Um, on a personal level, we have these people in our life. These are the most gifted and influential people in whatever sphere of influence you walk in, people you actually know. They have what everybody else wants. Everybody looks to them, right? We're naturally drawn to these people because of their undeniable giftedness, because of their intellects, their ambition, their creativity, their charisma, their beauty. We're drawn to them, but Jesus says, beware. He's sitting with you on your bench and you're looking at all these people that you really respect maybe or the people who are at the top. And he gives a warning, beware, watch out, look away from these folks. And then in classic revolutionary fashion, check out who Jesus says to behold. So flip back with me to your gospel, 
We're going to verse 41, Mark 12, verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury. Again, this whole scene is in the temple and watched people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had to live on. Beware the movers and shakers, the brilliant but vain influencers. Behold the impoverished widow. This is crazy in the context of the gospels. And did you notice he called his disciples to him? So he actually wanted to make this point. After in his teaching, he said, beware. You would expect Jesus, I would expect Jesus, to tell us to beware of certain types of leaders, but then to point out in the room, these are the, the people on top that I want you to actually follow, right? This is what we do. Um, if one really great gifted person on top falls, we just kind of look for the next person to attach ourselves to. Uh, our eyes stay on the top of the mountain, if you will. But Jesus doesn't do that. What he does is crazy. He draws our attention. He taps the disciples on the shoulders and he draws their eyes all the way down to the bottom, to the back of the line. The text explicitly tells us this is a poor woman who is a widow. And that would make her the least influential, the most vulnerable, vulnerable in that culture. That in and of itself is fascinating, I find. But Jesus wasn't idealizing or glorifying poverty for its own sake here. Jesus was interested in this widow, this particular one. He was interested in her full sacrificial abandon for the Lord. She had nothing, but even the nothing she had, she gave away. So the leaders were measured by what they had. The widow was measured by what she gave away. The leaders gave great sums of money for sure, but they kept even more for themselves. And Jesus points out the widow kept nothing. So generosity here is measured by what you keep, which is terrifying. And you can't see this as just a teaching on generosity or justice in and of itself, even though this is a great you know, passage to preach about generosity. This is the offering box in the temple. This is worship for this woman. This is her devotion to the one true God. So the leaders were focused on themselves, right? They loved the seats of honor. They loved the attention. This woman was focused on God. And as such, Jesus is captured by this woman. She's the one who catches his eye out of all these people. And remember who's all there. Now, let me be clear. Uh, this is something that I'm thinking about as I'm standing up here in a long robe. And I, over the course of this morning, will pray some long prayers. Don't think the irony's not lost on me. Um, Jesus is not saying all leaders are bad. He's not saying all men are bad. He's, he's not saying all... Religious leader men are bad. Just remember, Jesus was one of those things. What he is saying is he is endorsing a different kind of fame. He's endorsing and he's highlighting a different type of greatness. If you like sports, you always hear athletes talk about greatness. You know, it's what you got to do to have greatness. Jesus is endorsing here a different type of greatness. And for Jesus... The greatness that he would call us to imitate are those who are fully abandoned in their devotion to God. 
Fame in heaven is reserved for those who have sacrificed everything for the Lord and for others. That, Jesus is saying, is what is worth your imitation. That is who you want to shape you. Incidentally, this is why at the end of Revelation, in that epic passage that Bryce read, all the people who are famous and in heaven and whose God is calling out particularly are those, the passage says, who have come through the great tribulation. They have suffered. They have remained faithful to the Lord and they're famous. And who's the most famous in heaven? Who has the name that is above all names? Thank you. Sunday school answer. Even my boys can get that one, right? Jesus is the most famous in heaven. And why? Because he's the most gifted. He certainly is the most gifted. Because he's the most epic, he is the most epic. But why, where does he get his fame and his glory? He gave everything away. He was more wealthy, more privileged than any of us could imagine. And he kept nothing for himself. Amen? And therefore, he is to be highly exalted because he suffered and forgave. That's why he's so famous. So Jesus doesn't measure greatness by who gets to the top. This is where this starts getting really practical. Jesus doesn't measure, measure greatness or fame by who gets to the top. He doesn't measure greatness by giftedness, even spiritual giftedness. Read 1 Corinthians 13. This is sadly what we focus on, both in our culture and in the church. The best athletes, most intelligent, best politicians, best preachers, best whatever, but not the Lord. Leaders can have a full abandon for God. That is absolutely po possible. Gifted people can also be fully abandoned to God. But listen, church, they're not a marker of it. Amen? There's no correlation between giftedness and godliness. Often they do happen at the same time, but there's no direct correlation. So Jesus says, beware of these people and behold the saints. Behold the hidden, seemingly insignificant, uncool people. Don't have a lot of Twitter followers who will never make history, but who are fully sacrificially devoted to the Lord Jesus and to other people. Who is it in your life, in your life who's watching, that you need to hear Jesus's beware? Who is it that you feel like you're tempted to imitate that you probably shouldn't be being shaped by? And who is it in your life that is recklessly, carelessly, crazily giving themselves up for the Lord Jesus and for other people to the point that they're not even cool, that they're weird? Who is God calling you to more intentionally this morning behold and consider the outcome of their way of life? Um, for me, let me just invite you into my own process here. Uh, I'm a pastor. I love books. I love words. And so I'm really drawn to people who uh, write books and write poetry and get awards for those kind of things. And they have Wikipedia pages and their Twitter accounts. I don't even have Twitter, but I know these guys have Twitter. And their Twitters are amazing. Their tweets are so profound and they get retweeted by everybody. Uh, they get asked to speak at conferences. Uh, I am very, very drawn to that type of greatness. Uh, I've never been the greatest athlete, so athleticism doesn't really do it for me. I don't really care about wealth, but I would give an arm for a Pulitzer Prize. And if I'm not careful, I get swept up in the current and I start imitating those people. I start posturing myself and going after that type of greatness, if you will. 
And this week, I felt the Lord's strong hand of conviction on me saying, beware, Scott. Well, let me tell you personally who it is that I think God is calling me to behold. Um, Through my parents' mission organization, our family is committed to adopt an unreached people group in southern India known as the Chaya Karan. Um, It's a small people group in southern India. And specifically, we've committed to praying for the man from there who is leading the church planning movement and the gospel movement amidst those people. And his anglicized name is Adam. And I've never met Adam. Uh, His picture's around our house. I hope I meet him in glory. I've never met him, but we are constantly getting WhatsApp text messages. If you have international friends, you use WhatsApp. We're constantly getting WhatsApp WhatsApp updates uh, about everything going on about him and the Chai Quran. And it's basically just picture after picture of people being baptized. Um, Churches being formed in houses and villages. And this has kind of become a routine thing. So open up your sermon page. There's a picture of Adam. Uh, this dude is, he's the man, okay? So if you look, if you're on your uh, live stream, you actually have a nice color picture. You guys have black and white. This is one of the perks of worshiping from the live stream. Um, But that's Adam, and this is a baptism. Isn't this amazing? Um, We get uh, updates of all kinds of baptisms, and it's like so many people are converting to the Lord. They're just like looking around like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, like what's some water that we can baptize somebody with? I love this. It's like a drain pipe that they're like, Here's a drain pipe. Let's just do it right now. Uh, we have pictures of bowls, bathtubs, rivers, ponds, but everywhere. It's just like this dude is just chucking water all over the place because people are coming to know Jesus. Adam is not famous. He's not at the top globally and culturally, quite the opposite. To my knowledge, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Well, I confess I didn't look, but I'm assuming he doesn't. He probably never will. Uh, I don't know how many Twitter followers he has. He's not wealthy. He makes less in a month what most of us make in a day in Madison. But you know what Adam is? He's a saint. He's a saint. And there are people like Adam all over the place. I want to be like Adam. I prayed about this this week and sometimes I'll be thinking about something really stupid or worrying about something stupid for the church, you know, like a music stand or like our website or Instagram or something dumb. And I get a WhatsApp text message of Adam baptizing somebody and I want to be more like him. And Adams are everywhere. They are everywhere. He who has ears, let him hear. Many who are last will be first. And many who are first will be last in the kingdom of God. Do you actually believe that? I hate the work of those who fall away. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. Amen. It's the feast of all saints. The day every year that we bask in the glory of our inheritance in the saints. God wants us to do that. It's a treasure. He wants us to love him and he wants us to know that we are in a family of brothers and sisters in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It's also election week. (laughs) Um, This is a crazy week. The world is raging right now about who gets to be king of the mountain and everybody's looking at the top of the mountain. And everybody's writing about the top of the mountain and speaking about the top of the mountain. 
Beware, brothers and sisters. Beware who you, who you are letting shape your life and thoughts. Behold, brothers and sisters, the saints. Allow Jesus to draw your eyes to someone in your life who is insane in the way that they sacrificially give themselves to the Lord and to other people. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate them as they imitate Jesus. Um, November, the first Sunday in November is always the Feast of All Saints when we celebrate it. One of the things I've thought about is, man, how cool would it be like every November to think of November as a month where we focus on a different saint? So maybe in your life, you could read a, a biography about somebody. Maybe there's a person in your life, a grandma or a mom or a dad or a brother or a friend or a coworker who has deeply set an example for you of sainthood. Meditate on that. Thank the Lord in prayer. Reach out to that person. Call your grandma if she's still with us. If not, thank Jesus for her. If you have kids, are you holding up sainthood to your kids like rock stars? If Adam had like a really awesome athletic poster, I would put it up in my bedroom. <laughs> there was trading cards. I would want his trading card. Do your kids grow up thinking of sainthood and imitation that way. You want them to be like these people. We have such an opportunity for this to thank God for the glorious inheritance in the saints. Amen. Many who are last will be first. And many who are first will be last. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.